0: everybody and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasse, your host, and along with our producer Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our first show of 2020 and of the new decade. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday. Alex, good morning. How was your time off?
1: Good morning, Kathy, and yes, Happy New Year to all. My uh, time off flew by, but Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed myself. I spent all my time with the my family, who I haven't seen in, in so long, so I really, really um, enjoyed that experience all all too much.
0: Wonderful! You were in <laughs> London, England.
1: Uh, yes. Excellent, yeah. and you
0: just got back
1: on uh, yeah Sunday. On yeah. Sunday, yeah.
0: So we're still adjusting to the new year,
1: just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but uh,
0: well, I, a- you know what? I was just. Uh, I had a few resolutions. A couple of them have already gone by the wayside, but I, I have uh, hopes for the ones that, that still endure. Um, and one of them was to get here a little bit or This is the one that just like went out the window today was to get here a little early, be you know, a little bit more relaxed and prepared. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I find that we just fly in and sit down. And uh, yeah, sometimes those are the better shows, I guess. But uh, preparation for many things is something I'm really trying to work on. For the, for the new year. I think that should be
1: my goal as well.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, I tell you, it's, it's so busy. It's just such a busy time. Everybody seems busy. You know, the kids are busy. I'm busy. You're busy. It's just the time. Fl- I can't believe that this is our first time what, in three weeks doing yeah. a show. We yeah, haven't definitely. had a live show in yeah, almost a month. I would never I would have to agree with that, yes. Yeah, because I think Allison's Alison, show just before Christmas was taped, so it's it, we're approaching a month now, and honestly, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like that, at all, at all. But anyways, today's show is live. So please do call in if you have any questions for any of us. Our guest, Kirk Mote, our number is 416-245-1534. And please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three. And do feel free to continue with emailing us at thh at radiomaria.ca. And please do subscribe to our podcast. We are the health hub, we are on iTunes. SoundCloud, all your favorite podcast platforms. We have just a stellar lineup of guests out of the shoot here. You don't want to miss anything. So do uh, sign up for that. Subscribe and you'll get a notification when our new shows are up. And you can also find our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is Radio Maria Canada. Sorry, it's not actually. It's www.radiomaria.ca and on my website, which is KathyBiase.com. So what I thought I'd start out with, I think I I was actually going to talk about, you know, keeping your resolutions and everything, but I think we did that last year.
1: I think so. So I thought, you know,
0: well, because it's a new decade and and so many potentially wonderful things are on the cusp in the area of health, in the area of integrative health. I thought that I would give you um, just my thoughts on what i I think we can hopefully look forward to as far as um, health trends continuing uh, from where we left off in 2019, because we did have so many promising trends. Um, And I think these will not only continue, but become more and more impactful on our health throughout the decade as a whole. Number one for me, you might find this odd, is our continued understanding of the importance of sleep. Key for circadian rhythm to function properly. We've had a a few shows on circadian rhythm. It's something we talk about a lot here for the balancing of proper hormone functioning, for anti-aging, for proper health. I think sleep is really going to take take on an even deeper meaning as we get into the new decade. Um, A gone now, I think, uh, is that notion that sleep was just the bridging of two days. Uh, This will continue to be researched and studied. And along with that, uh, the myriad of studies going on with the microbiome. And believe me, I'm not just harping on these two things because they're my passion area. I do think that our understanding of the microbiome and its integral role in our health will grow exponentially over this next decade. We are just finding out so many more links to health, so many more applications where our understanding of the microbiome can work. And I I think what we may start seeing, and I think this was kind of intimated um, by one of our guests uh, last year, is the application more through this decade of that understanding. For instance, designer probiotics that will focus on perhaps dealing with a particular health issue with one or two strains of bacteria, I think you might see that. I think, you know, we are starting to see more and more the applications of probiotics to counter the effects of antibiotics. We may see more and more of that in our medical system, where you are actually prescribed a probiotic when you're being given an antibiotic. So my hopes is that will continue. And I don't see any reason for that to stop. We were just seeing more and more applications, as I said. I also think the role of the environment and its impact on our health will take on a deeper meaning for us in the new decade and its its role in our health. And I think we're going to become more and more conscientious of it as more um, functional medicine practitioners take this on, as it's becoming more and more um, relevant in the medical field as well. Just an understanding of how important the environment we are in is to our health, you know, trying to at home create better environments, Uh, what we put on our skin, all of those things. The environment to me will be a very, very important trend going through. I also expect a continued um, explosion of artificial intelligence and biohacking, uh, the instruments that we wear to moderate, uh, to monitor our health, I think will become more and more precise, more and more evolved. Um, Things we can expect to see in medical devices, I was reading, are smart technologies uh, that will be connected to smartphones, to your computers, things like insulin pens that track how much the patient needs, Uh, pills that come in smart packaging that will give you um, a beep on your phone to let you know when to take them. Um, it's it's outstanding. And, you know, there are two or three more. I don't know if I want to to take all this time, but I'll just sort of hone over a couple of things. Precision medicine will continue to be um, used and ingratiated in the health field. We're going to see uh, medicine geared to more uh, understanding of our, as we understand more of our genomics. Uh, precision medication and its applications will become a, a great um Stride, it will take on a great stride uh, through the new decade. And um, along with that, my my true hopes are that we will see a decrease in fad diets. We will see an increase in the importance of individualized nutrition plans for people. Um, and, And this doesn't have to be an in depth, you know, every bite you eat with your genomic makeup, but just a greater understanding as we as we get into precision nut- medicine, precision medicine, that precision nutrition as well will take on an understanding that we are all unique individuals, and um, we'll see less and less of these fad diets that people go on that maybe not be beneficial for their health. So those are exciting things for me. Um, I think, uh, you know, an overall picture is diseases like heart health, uh, hopefully cancer, will become more and more manageable. Um, and, you know, they're even talking about finding and ridding uh, asthma for people that have asthma. So, you know, it's it's going to be a wonderful decade um, coming up. So... Um, we hope that we can be here and continue to to bring you more and more of the advances here on the health hub. So on to our guest today in one year alone, four hundred and seventy five thousand Americans die from cardiac arrest globally. cardiac arrest claims more lives than colorectal cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, influenza, pneumonia, auto accidents, HIV, firearms, and house fires combined. Our guest, Kirk Mote, is founder of Rescue Site Services and is on a mission to bring that number down to zero. After assisting in a medical emergency, Kirk realized his calling in life was to teach life's most important skill, and that's saving lives. After diving into CPR training and certification, Kirk went on to create Rescue Site Services, a medical device company that specializes in developing AED programs for homes and businesses. Rescue Site Services AED program provides the only automated external defibrillator, which is the AED, that's the acronym for it, on the market with Real CPR Help, the world's first AED program management solution and scenario-based training whether you're at home at work or enjoying a day at the park, having access to an AED can be life-saving. Kirk has made it his passion to educate businesses and individuals on the benefits of easily accessible aEDs as well as the importance of proper training and maintenance. This is a very very important show. I actually um, asked my husband you know if he has uh, aEDs in his business. I don't think this is required. I, I, I could be wrong about this. I don't think this though however is required Also very important to have in our homes. And this is something that I know Kirk is very passionate and we'll talk to him about. So a few of our learning points today will be how do AEDs actually work? Do you need specific training to use an AED? And why we should have AEDs in our homes. And we'll be back to you after this break.
2: There's no space that his love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace There's no end to amazing grace Take me in with your arms spread wide Take me in like an orphan child
0: back everybody our show today is live please do call in our number is 416 245-1534 and do follow us on our social sites we are on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and we are at the Health Hub RMC Kirk welcome to the show and happy new year Kirk you there well Alex I'm not sure that he's with us
3: can you hear me now
0: there we are there we are I had the the Hi,
3: Kathy. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing well, and thank you again. What an honor it is to be your first interview of the new year and of the new decade. Very excited to be with you both here on the the Health
0: Hub. We are excited, too. It's such an important topic. And, you know, uh, this is the beauty of being able to do these shows is, you know, this is probably not the first thing on somebody's mind when they're considering... Um, their health environment, and this feeds in perfectly to what I was talking about. We need to consider our environment for health, and this is a very important piece of it, wouldn't you say?
3: Agreed, oh,
1: 100%. So
0: we, we dove in a touch on your bio about how you got involved in this area. Maybe you can sort of expound upon that so we can see where your passions come from.
3: Certainly. Uh, about five years ago, I was listening to a um, Holocaust survivor give her testimony And it was during the testimony that an elderly gentleman stood up, shuffled his way over to the door, and collapsed from a heart attack. No one knew what to do. Now, I had previously been trained in CPR, so I went to work barking at orders like, hey, you, call 911, and you, go get the defibrillator. By the time I got the man's shirt off, off an off-duty nurse joined the rescue with the defibrillator, and together we put the pads on. The defibrillator started talking, saying things like analyzing heart rhythm, as the rescuer, I'm saying, clear. Uh, starts to say, shock advised. Again, I'm saying, hey, no one touched the patient. Deliver shock. Shock delivered. Begin CPR. And one, two, three, four. After that first shock, it would do something called agonal gasping. Now, it looks like you're breathing, but you're not. To paint you a picture, of the scene, all of his children, all of his grandchildren were there witnessing his death. This was a very emotional moment in time, as you can imagine. In fact, one of his daughters started yelling at me, get that off of him, you're going to hurt him. She had no idea because she had never been trained. So during the next few weeks after this event, I decided to do some research and discovered that this is not an isolated incident. In fact, heart disease is the number one cause of death in the world. And as you mentioned in the intro, in one year alone, 475,000 Americans die from sudden cardiac arrest. However, I believe that we can create a world that no one died from sudden cardiac arrest. So in the past five years, I've helped thousands of people just like you, gain the knowledge and acquired the resources to save the life of a coworker, friend, family member, and even complete strangers. So whether you don't have a defibrillator, whether you have one and it's old and out of warranty, whether you have multiple defibrillators in locations all across the country, this program is for you. And so during this podcast, I'm going to share with you how how we help communities, organizations, corporations, you know, build a successful AD programs that focus on awareness, education, design, implementation, and maintenance. Rescue site Services was created to make sure your AD program is properly designed and implemented. That is completely compliant, documented, and in the hands of a trained volunteer responder who is ready to rescue. It's
0: it. Let's let's take it uh, back a step here. Um, I have seen them work, not in action. Um, I've been I've done the CPR course and AED is part of it, um, but I've never seen it uh, you know firsthand being used as you have. Can you break down? you know, really what an AED does, its components, because some people may never have had, they may see it hanging on a wall. I know that they have them in the hockey arenas here, but becoming familiar with the device is to me half the battle, because if someone sees somebody collapse, they may be very frightened to try and use this device. So becoming familiar with it, I think is is the first step that I'd like you to educate people with.
3: Sure. First thing first, thing's first is the defibrillator, or AED. Um, I know many of you are probably asking yourself, Kirk, what is an AED? I'm, and so, Kathy, I'm glad you're asked the question. AED stands for Automatic External Defibrillator. An Automatic External Defibrillator is a, is a lightweight portal, portable device that delivers an electric shock through the chest to the heart. So the, the shock can stop an irregular heartbeat and allow a normal rhythm to resume following sudden cardiac arrest. Sudden cardiac arrest like, occurs when the heart malfunctions and stops beating unexpectedly. If um, not, not treated within minutes, it, it can quickly lead to death. So most sudden cardiac arrests result from what's known as ventricular fibrillation, or VF for short. Uh, VF is a rapid and un Synchronized heart rhythm that originates in the heart's lower chambers, the ventricles. Um, the heart must be defibrillated quickly because a victim's chance of survival drops by seven to ten percent for every minute, 60 seconds. A normal heartbeat isn't restored, and it only takes about four minutes without oxygen to have irreversible brain damage.
0: Mm-hmm. At what point during, you know, you initiate CPR first and then the AED. At what point do you know when to switch over?
3: Yes, so uh, great question. So there's this thing called the chain of survival. And the first first thing first is recognition, right? You want to make sure that, you know, you understand what's happening. So scene safety is paramount. Um, When you approach a situation, whether you saw the person collapse or not, you want to make sure the scene's safe. Uh, Let's say they fell off a ladder, the ladder is still leaning. You want to make sure that ladder is moved. Let's say that they're operating heavy machinery, they're a landscaper. Uh, Turn off their chainsaw um, before you go to work. Make sure the scene is safe before you do anything. Because, again, you want to have, at minimum, one victim instead of two. So if you go into something really quickly without checking the scene's safety, in quick story, Uh, a good friend of mine, literally was, you know, walking in the mall. And as you know, a lot of malls have those water features. Uh, he was walking by and he saw two people face down in the water and he thinks to himself, what is going on here? Come to find out first guy is working on the water feature, forgets to turn off the electricity. Oh. You can't really see electricity, right? So he goes to start working. He gets electrocuted. He can't move. He's now face down drowning in the water second guy decides to be a hero without doing what? Checking scene safety. Goes to grab him, gets himself caught in the same current, Boom! two victims instead of one. My buddy, keeping his head on, was able to recognize what happened, turn off the electricity, and save both of their lives. And that's is the simple, hey, check the scene to make sure the scene is safe before you go to work.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But to continue to answer your question, yes, the scene safety, shake the person. Hey, 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 are you OK? They might just be sleeping. You don't know, right? Hey, 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 are you okay? No response. That's when you start barking out orders. Hey, you, call 911. You, go get the AED. If you're by yourself, you do that yourself. With the technology today, the way it is, you've got your cell phone on you pretty much 24-7. You call 911 or your emergency response number, and you put that on speaker while you're doing the next steps, which is getting that defibrillator. The defibrillator is the most important aspect here because the shock is going to be what saves a person's life. If you do not have a defibrillator, then you're gonna do something called hands-only CPR, and that's literally compressions continually. Typically, you do 30 compressions, two breaths, but guess what, if you do not have a uh, a mouth, uh, face shield mm-hmm. for the mouth, then you're not going to mouth-to-mouth because, again, you don't know what they have, and that will create two victims instead of one. We never teach people to go mouth-to-mouth because you bring whatever diseases they have to you, yourself, your spouse, your family, and then now you've created way more victims than that one that would have been the worst-case scenario. So if you do not have your face shield, which I carry one on a keychain, one-way valve, everywhere I go. Oh, really? If you do not, oh, absolutely. And you can get them, you can check them on Amazon. You can buy them from our store on rescuesideservices.com. You can get them anywhere. They're cheap. They're like five bucks. You know, you, you can buy them a bulk and get them for cheaper even. Mm-hmm. So there, there's such an inexpensive little piece that you can put on your keychain everywhere you go. And it's perfect because I know, I have peace of mind that, Hey, look, I know how to properly give compressions, breaths, and AED use. How bad would I feel if I could not give oxygenated blood to a person that needs it when I know how to do it, if I do not have the proper resources. And so knowledge without resources is useless. Vice versa, if you have the resources, and nothing. Knowledge, it's useless. So that's what we do. We put the knowledge and resources together. So again, back to your original question, seeing safety, hey, 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 are you okay? No response, call 911, get the defibrillator, start compressions, once the defibrillator arrives, put the pads on there, listen to the prompts of the AED. And every AED is a little bit different, but they all do the exact same thing, which is save lives through a shock. And so prompts could be something like, You know, analyzing heart rhythm, you know, stay calm, check responsiveness, call for help. I mean, literally, you know, walk you through the whole process, including stay calm, which is amazing. Um, Analyzing heart rhythm, and that's where you as a rescuer say, hey, no one touched the patient, clear. Shock advised, clear. Deliver shock. Now, some AEDs are fully automatic, which means that you do not have to push a button or they might be semi-automatic, which means you have to push a button that says deliver shock. You press that button says say clear patient, deliver a shock, and then it'll say shock delivered. Again, don't touch the patient until you hear shock delivered, because if you started doing compressions before, then guess who's getting that shock? He as the rescuer. But again, all these things are explained through the, the defibrillator. It'll literally walk you through everything. So even if you haven't been trained, it'll tell you how to do it. It'll train you right there on the spot. Now again, Training is important. We want to make sure that you have training because you will respond how you train.
0: Absolutely. And, it, you know, after our break, we're going to go to break here in a second. Uh, people will be afraid to do this. I know, I mean, I, I can imagine that I would be afraid to do it. But in, in the face of someone um, dying in front of you, you know, being equipped with the proper knowledge of how to use this. And and it's so vitally important. And I I like the aspect of training that you talk about, because I think, you know, as these things are put up in the offices, they're there, people know about them. I, I, you know, again, I, I don't know the legalities. I think that for every certain number of people, there has to be somebody who is trained on CPR and AED. But it's, It's the fear of using them, and we need to get over that if we're going to save somebody's life. So we're going to come back after a short break and continue this conversation.
1: You've done for me He is the king of
0: The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice, wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're here talking with Kirk Mote on the life-saving importance of AEDs. Kirk, I want to get right into an area that we've had some um, off-air discussion about, and that's the importance of people considering putting AEDs into their own homes. This is an area that I know you're very motivated in, and why so? Absolutely,
3: yes. So, with heart disease being the number one cause of death in the world, uh, this truly is a global issue. Over 70% of out-of-hospital cardiac arrests happen at home. That's someone you know. That's someone you love. And who really needs an AED here? I mean, Well, everyone who loves and cares for their spouse, their child, their parents, their grandparents. These AEDs should literally be in every home. See, my vision is target zero and simply put to create a world where no one dies from sudden cardiac arrest. And we can do that by placing this life-saving technology in every home, apartment, condo, hotel, hostel, every living place, every workplace and every public place, of course, but specifically every living place. And um, see, our brains are very fragile, and I think I kind of hinted towards it earlier, but it only takes four minutes for your brain to have irreversible brain damage. And, you know, if, if your emergency response system is anything like the United States, I mean, it takes over four minutes for someone to call the emergency number and to have someone actually arrive. And so that's why it's so important to have that life-saving device in your home, because without it, the inevitable will happen.
0: Um, and probably the most prohibitive aspect of doing this is the price point. Is that Correct.
3: Unfortunately, it's it's sad to say, but yes. And you know, for me, I I, I don't know about you, but I can't put a price on a life. Um, but I can put a price on pleasure. And so when you when you look down at your wrist and you see an Apple Watch, and in your other hand you see an Apple phone, a tablet, and a you know a, a iPad Pro, and all that stuff. I mean, th- there's not a shortage of money. And mm-hmm. People have money, and people have. The, the resources and the means to spend money on what they value, which is pleasure or, or what have you, but they don't value life. And I think that's the underlying issue here. People don't value life like they value other things. And so they're not willing to put, invest a couple grand into a life saving technology device that will literally save your spouse or your kid or your parent or grandparent.
0: Yeah it's it's you know I'm not sure if it's a value on life or it's not even considering that you know you could be in that situation you know sometimes it's not until you're faced with something that's uh, you know a health issue that you see your own mortality and I guess it's it's an issue that we don't want to consider you know we don't want to talk about our mortality and that we you know we have a finite time on this earth but in conversations and on in you know in the in the area of truisms, this is something that we need to do, something that we need to consider, especially if you have a heart condition. You know, this is an area that um, I, I still don't think has been fulfilled with our system. Someone who has had a heart attack or, or past, uh, you know, a history of heart attack or any type of heart disease, these should be something that is sort of considered in the follow up conversations with the physicians. Um, it, it's so vitally important. Now, is there a risk of having these in the home if you have younger children?
3: That's such a great question because. I think oftentimes people, like you said, are, are scared of technology or scared of this device because it's unfamiliar or unknown. And again, that has to do with training and it has to do with, you know, familiarizing yourself with the resources that you have. And to answer your question, no, there there is no risk to have one of these in your home with, with your kids, unlike, you know, having you know, a weapon that's unsecured, or or having medicine that's not, you know, put, you know, out, out of reach of the children. Like kids can get a hold of weapons, or get a hold of um, medicine, or alcohol, or stuff that they shouldn't be touching at that age. But with the AED, the beautiful thing about a defibrillator is it will not shock unless it's a shockable rhythm. That's a V fib or V tach, and that's, that's you know, in layman's terms, that's if your heart is kind of. You know, sputtering and like a little, you know, shaking a little bit, or if it's beating way too slow. Now, if the heart is beating normally or if it's stagnant, then it's not going to, you know, shock the person. So if a kid got your AED out, put the pad on them, turn it on, analyzing heart rhythm, guess what? It's going to say shock, not advise, and it's not going to shock them. I can literally put the device on me right now, and it will not shock me. will not shock the kid and safety features are perfect for in-home.
0: That's interesting to know. Now, do the AEDs, are they operated on battery? Do we need to be checking them? Is there a signal if um, it's 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 not charged? How, how does it work? Is it a battery-operated device?
3: Absolutely. So there, there are about six FDA-approved manufacturers of AEDs on the market. Each have multiple models, similar to the car industry, right? So multiple mix and models everyone has their own proprietary you know lithium battery pack that they charge an arm and leg for but the beautiful um, part about um, the ZOL 80 plus is they use one two door cell one two three batteries ten of them and you can literally buy them you know at, at your local Walmart or you know convenience store and so that's a great price one because the consumables, yeah, you're going to have to have consumables. And one of the things about consumables is something that expires, right? So batteries and pads both have a shelf life. And the batteries have a five-year shelf life. And the pads have a five-year shelf life for the AED Plus. Now, other makes models out there might only have a two-year shelf life. And so there's – I mean, I sell every 80 on the market. We obviously push the Zoll above the others because it's the lowest total cost of ownership for the consumer or the business owner.
0: Okay. Now, the, the unique thing about yours, uh, your product as well, is that you offer training with it. Are you the only company to do that? I think that was in your bio.
3: Yes, yeah, so I'm not the only company that offers uh, the product and training, but what we do specifically is we believe that there are three components to a successful AD program. The first component is going to be the hardware, and that is the defibrillator itself. Like I said, we sell every AD on the market, but we can point you to the one that's going to be the lowest co- total cost ownership for the um, consumer or business. We also offer the leasing option. Which is literally $73 per month. That's lower than your cost of a Wi-Fi. You have a life-saving device in your business. The second component is going to be um, the the like the training itself, which is going to teach you how to save, like, use the product. That's going to be the AED. Is going to teach you how to give breaths, how to give compressions. Choking, how to relieve choking, and how to use naloxone. That's also included in our training. Naloxone, um, for those who do not know, is an opioid drug reversal. Okay, so if you have a friend or family member that has a prescribed opioid um, prescription, um, sometimes they can abuse it and have an OD situation, and you you can actually have naloxone. As an over the counter drug that has a nasal spray and save their life, and we go into that during the training. The third and final component is going to be the program management solution. And the program management solution is essentially um, where you get to maintain and manage your, your program. And so we want to make sure that you have everything you need in order to properly. Do that. So, to rescue a victim of cardiac arrest, you need an AED that is ready to deliver a life-saving shock. But just having an AED is not good enough. You must make sure your AED is working and in the hands of a trained volunteer responder. If that's at home or business, doesn't matter. If that sounds simple to you, uh, you may not realize all you need to know and do to set up and maintain a successful AED program. Our AED program management makes sure you are ready, compliant and completely documented while taking up as little of your time as possible. So according to the AHA Every Second Counts Fact Sheet, communities with comprehensive AED programs that include CPR and AED training for rescuers have achieved survival rates of nearly 40% for cardiac arrest. And to put that in perspective, if you were to have a heart attack, sudden cardiac arrest anywhere in the United States, right now, your chance of survival is 5%.
2: Really? This
3: is why our AD professionals are committed to helping communities and organizations just like yours build successful AD programs that focus on awareness, education, design, implementation, and maintenance. Setting up and maintaining a successful AD program is not as simple as it sounds, especially if it's not your area of expertise. But it is ours, and and we make sure your AD program properly designed and implemented, that is compliant, completely documented, and in the hands of a trained volunteer responder who's ready to rescue. And we don't stop there either. We we offer post-event support and a number of other services you may not have even thought of. And if it's AED related, we got you covered. And by the way, what I mean by post-event support is if you have an AED in your business and someone has to use that AED that AED is contains the medical records of the victim. And so that has to be turned into the analytics. And if you only have one defibrillator in your location, say you're a small business, maybe a gym, you're now tough out of luck until that analyzing process is over. However, now we overnight you an AED, so you're never without an AED, your life-saving device.
0: Oh, that's an interesting point. So um, two things have popped into my mind. Um, is the AED it it can work over and over again so if if you've had to um, utilize it do you just wait until um, like you have just said the information has been uh, recorded and then it's usable again, you just hang it up and wait for the next time or do you need to recalibrate this thing, get a new one how does that work?
3: Yeah, so um, the AED itself um, can literally deliver hundreds of shots. Okay. It's incredible. Um, so, however, when, when you have an event, a, a cardiac event where it's been used, you turn it into be analyzed. When we return it to you, they have fresh batteries and fresh pads. So it starts from from scratch, essentially. Like, you can literally do the whole process over And you can't use pads um, a second time. Those, those Wait, only tight. have a one-time use. Okay. And actually sometimes don't have any use because they, people forget to shave the hair off the chest. And that's so important because um, if you only have one set of pads, we, we encourage our clients to have a, you know, the original set as well as a backup well, pair I think because what happens is if you have hair on your chest, that can disrupt the current and it won't recognize that it's on the chest and you know, analyze the heart rhythm. So, you got to shave, shave, shave. Again, that's another feature that comes within the pa- packet of your AED. It's a razor to shave the chest of your okay. hair and then put the pads on.
0: Okay, that's interesting to know. Um, and, and one thing that I, I, I want, I'm very personally interested in this. Is there a liability, A, if you've been trained and do not use it, or B, if you do use it? and the outcome is not favorable, or there's been an issue?
3: Great question. Um, So liability, this is actually a very common misconception, and I'm here to say that people are thinking about it all wrong. Everyone else is telling you that having a defibrillator in your home or office is liability, however I am saying that having a defibrillator in your office or your home could in fact be your biggest asset thinking about it all wrong most people worry about the liability of having a defibrillator when you should be thinking about the liability of not having a defibrillator and that is what happens if you know that you have the resources that you can purchase or lease and you choose not to and someone dies on your watch you see now we're thinking about assets versus liability profits and loss and losing your highest-performing employee, look at it from that perspective even That that's kind of the sales perspective but, I mean, from, you know, stockholder's point of view.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, this could all be presented with a simple AD program that costs literally less than your monthly Wi-Fi bill. And so, <clears throat> to answer your specific question, I don't know um, the specific laws in Canada because we're mm-hmm. actually— Fair enough. Uh, yeah, we're in the United States, but we're moving to Canada. We're, we're actually, you know, in the process of um, expanding to Canada. However, I can tell you right now that in the United States, Good Samaritan laws will protect you um, if you use the resources that you have been given and the knowledge that you have been given. So what I mean by that is, hey, if I have taught you CPR and AD, then if you perform breaths, compression, AD use, choking the lopsoone, that's all within the scope of what I've trained you to do. If you try to perform a tracheotomy on this person, well, guess what? You're probably going to get sued because you haven't been trained to do that properly. So it all has to do with operating within the scope of how you've been trained. And I'm sure that Canada has a very similar Good Samaritan law that covers, you know, pretty much the same exact thing. But as for you, the United States Absolutely. You have nothing to worry about when it comes to operating within the scope of what you have been trained. And let me hit on something else that we haven't really talked about. You mentioned how, you know, people are kind of scared of using AEDs. People are also scared of compressions, too, because guess what? If you're doing a compression properly, you're breaking ribs. Yikes, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's not, that's completely contradictory to whatever, everything you've ever been taught. You don't want to break ribs. That's, that's gross, it feels weird, it's, it's not a good thing, but guess what? I'd rather you do something than nothing. I'd rather you revive the victim with an injury rather than him stay dead permanently.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. Now, if I'm a business owner, um, how many AEDs per employee do you recommend?
3: So, and not necessarily... Per employee is certainly an aspect, but it has a lot to do with square footage and access.
0: Oh, okay.
3: Because drop the shot, I mean, ideally, like, you're you're getting 7 to 10% less likely to save the person's life every minute he goes by, right? So if someone hits the deck right now, it's going to probably take you a quick second to be like, oh, my gosh, someone has fell down. He's probably joking, right? No, he's not. Okay, someone call 911. But all this is taking time. And by the time you actually get down on the ground, you know, check the scene safe, shake him, make sure he wasn't, you know, goofing off or sleeping or whatever the case may be, this might be 60 seconds into it. And he's now at 90% chance of survival if you give him an AD right that second. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at have an AD um, close enough to where you can put that AED on him within ninety, within three, three minutes. Okay. 90 seconds is, is like golden, but three minutes is kind of like the, the highest point in time that you you want to have that set. So depending, like, and again, the way we set it up is, the slowest person in your office, how long is it going to take him or her to get from point A to point B and back with that defibrillator? Mm-hmm. And then that's how many AEDs we're going to, you know, strategically put around, you know, places that are, are publicly used. So that's going to be a break room. That's going to be stairs, elevators, bathrooms, places that everyone sees every day. So when someone says, hey, you go get that AED, it's not like, what is that? I've never seen one. Oh, is it? behind the desk of the front reception or you know, you want it in a publicly viewable area where all of your you know, clients can see as they come in so they you know have peace of mind. Hey, wow they care about my health safety.
0: Mm -hmm. No those are good points. Those yeah. are good points, and I'm not sure that, you know, we would consider that. Um, now, we're coming towards the end of our show. Uh, I want to give you some space. You said you're coming um, to Canada at some point. Anything else going on that you want to share with us, uh, especially your, your contact information, but anything going on, uh, new projects coming up in the, in the new decade?
3: Yeah, so uh, one thing that I'm super excited about is I have always wanted to write a book. And as of last year, I was like, okay, I'm going to actually do this. And I made it my new year's resolution and I started on it um, late last year. And I am planning to launch, release my very first book in February. And I am super excited, you can get it on Amazon, and super excited to tell you about this because this is literally gonna walk you through our process of how we develop successful AED programs. So, yes, we can literally teach you how to do it yourself. You can hire us to do it with you, or you can have you know, a hire package to have us do it for you. So we have you covered in every area so that you can feel confident that what you're doing is right and what you're doing will save lives.
0: Excellent. Now, how can um, listeners contact you if they want more information to find out about your product or when you're coming to Canada, if, we're, if it's a Canadian that's listening?
3: <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, um, my name is Kirk, Kirk Moat, as you've mentioned a few times. I am the owner of Rescue Site Services, and you can find us on rescuesiteservices.com. You can Google us, Rescue Site Services. You'll find us on LinkedIn. Rescue Site Services on Facebook, Rescue Site Services on Instagram. I'm trying to think if there's any other. I think we're about to start a YouTube channel. I mean, we are growing. We're getting bigger. We're going from, you know, a, a one nation to the world, and we're going to get an AD in every single home, every single business, such that Target Zero is not a vision but a reality where no one dies resulting sudden cardiac arrest.
0: Well, excellent. And, um, you know, we hear fully back that and wish you all the best, Kirk. It's been a great conversation. It's it's not something, as I said, that will come to mind in the health sphere a lot. And I'm, I'm really glad that we had the opportunity to present this to our listeners. All of Kirk's social sites will be up when the podcast is up and uh, we will be sending out a note on our social media sites when that is up. Kirk, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: And we will talk to everybody next week on The Health Hub.